Department of the Dead contains graphic and explicit content that may not be appropriate for some listeners. Opinions and views do not reflect that of the Department of Defense. Listener discretion is advised. Department of the Dead. We were just doing some introductions and we have a guest this week. Before Thought hopped on, she and I were getting to know each other a little bit. Rude of me. I'm Amanda. Really jumping right into this. I'm yep. <laughs> and then our guest, uh, she is a military psychologist. I um, am a uh, licensed clinical social worker. Otherwise, yes. we're going to start fights. I mean, I'm here for it. We're probably going to start fights anyways <laughs> um, today with me, but... Yes, I'm Elise. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. Been working in, alongside the military for oh man, for ten years. I also married the military, so I've been in, around it for a little while. <laughs> okay, so um, you can give as much or as little information as you want to about yourself. Um, we just, you know, we wanted somebody who's actually, you know, for what our episode topic is going to be today. Uh, we wanted somebody who actually had the credentials behind it to answer the questions that you all had and so yeah we went forward with it and thought here gathered a bunch of y'all's questions yeah i might have one or two that i didn't have time to send to you but that's fine there's like i think there's okay just to back up my money where my mouth is yeah i so (laughs) licensed clinical social worker um i i actually went (laughs) to school i don't know how much fred this has but i did go to school for military social work um, I'd say my specialties since then are drama, TBI, um, ADHD, <laughs> you know, like the trifecta of things we see in <laughs> military. Both of us are like, yep, check Present. that box, check yes, that box. Yes, and check, thank you, that too, yeah. Um, I have worked with veterans, active duty, special operations. I'm back to a mixed bag of all of them. I've done GS contracting. And civilians where don't talk to me, I don't say anything to you. Um, I love that. I also now work with first responders as well. I added that in. I have my master's working on my doctorate in sports and performance psychology with the lens of, you know, those of us who like to go hard, want to do it and not be held back by our mental health. So how do we do that? So I'm there. Yeah. Any questions? I function off of transparency. Because <laughs> so, if I'm lying, you'll know. So. <laughs> And just a quick plug, you do also have your own podcast. If if you wanted to share that on yeah. this platform, get get a few more listeners, you know. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we. Check it out. So my, uh, she's a colleague of mine. We were coworkers before a long story we don't have time for. Um, that she we worked with the military. She's a physical therapist, and the two of us do a human performance um, podcast. We are you know, females running in the human performance game. And we talk all things human performance. I bring a first responder lens to it. Most of what we do is we talk a lot about like human performance in military. Uh, and then we try and make it approachable, you know? So, I mean, really anybody who's just going after their goals or trying to be a better version of themselves can probably gain something from it. Or the, that's what she said of human performance. Our, the name is not your typical doctor's. You can find us on most streaming platforms, and I think we can. I can send you guys links to make that more accessible to anybody who wants to take a listen. So absolutely, sure. we will link that on the Instagram and the show notes of 
this episode. Um, yeah, I, I take it that you guys probably do a little swearing on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure. A little is uh, probably a, a nice way of saying, like, <laughs> you know, if you if you need earmuffs, don't come listen. <laughs> so. I'm in. I am so in. <laughs> yeah, I need someone yeah. to tell me to get my shit together while I'm at the gym. <laughs> Perfect. That is, that is what we're here for. It's, you know, it's approachable. It's like, we want to, we kind of have the platform, I think, similar to what, you know, the vibe I'm picking up here. We want you to feel like you joined us at lunch and we're talking, you know, talking shop about um, things that make us better. We're nerds. Um, that's where. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I too am a nerd that swears and thought you cannot, while a guest is introducing themselves, cannot bring a dog. That's like me yeah. being a dog, and then you're like putting peanut butter in front of me, and I'm like, don't lick the peanut butter. I know it was really I'm hard like- to like avoid the sparkle and continue talking like I wasn't distracted. I know, <laughs> precious baby, till- got a little co-host. Yeah, yeah. So I'm excited. Uh, were there like all the questions that I sent you? I, you don't have to answer all of them. Uh, apply to you, but I definitely filtered through a lot of them because I received some ones about the cheese. And- <laughs> Uh, I did not send that, by the way. <laughs> that was not me. I don't think I'm, it, I'm no, here. it wasn't anonymous. I have probably heard it. So, but I also I like to tell people I did a stint in jail, which is why nothing in the military scares me. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I, oh, wait, what? <laughs> nothing. I did mental health in jail. So, yeah, oh, I no these but... were these were great. But I usually have. <laughs> Don't ever be that guy, but I could probably always be that guy with a story that disturbs you more than the story you brought to the table. <laughs> so, I, you know, I can only imagine a face-off between you and a trauma nurse on who's, who's one up on who. Good stuff. Yeah. No, the questions were great. I mean, if there's any, you know, if you were looking through them and I start talking about something that brings another question in, like, feel free. Everything made sense. I might ask, you know. You just tell me how you want me to go about it. You start answering questions. You got a place you want me to start. Oh, I need to get to my mail, which yeah, I forget where it is. <laughs> I um, I don't. I feel like an sorry, old person, you know. like holding my iPad like this. This is what happens when you're high. You need reading glasses. <laughs> um, I knew I should have picked Amanda, this up. Us at Dollar Tree. What? <laughs> it's not. It's not the cheetah piss. It, no, it's not. not it. It's actually yeah. called you. E- Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh do you have anything to add about i know you and i are both big on briefly we know each other in person like seven years mm-hmm. and then holy uh, shit it's been that like, long fuck shit and then since we kind of like reunited on instagram you and i have been pretty big on like the behavioral health the suicides uh you know anything it, positive towards joey boy and Gary. yeah like, i'd say know, it's i've never more like a BH. trifecta i don't know yeah that's fair I've never been there when my when my soldiers go. I know like the reason. Like, do you have anything to add before we just question? Um, is there a chance that you could drop that on the drive? Because I am trying right now my very hardest. I'm just gonna text it. Okay, you know what? That that works. I'm trying I to. Even, I don't even know how to fucking email people, so <laughs> I, it's fine. It's fine. I'm just I'm trying my hardest. And I don't want to be rude, so let's let's carry on <laughs> with this. I am so sorry. And also, we like to we like to curse here too. Oh yes, we do. Any kind of accent impersonations, etc., that you can do, like, are very much so welcomed here. <laughs> much to his dismay. <laughs> I have a weird thing where I have a really no, hard time understanding middle. people. Oops, sorry, my doorbell just rang. I have a hard time uh, understanding accents. 
um, because I'm so fascinated in how you're saying something. I'm not listening to what you're saying. It's like ADHD that's worse. Like oh. Harry Potter's hard to watch without subtitles. Oh no. <laughs> See? Subtitles. We got two subtitles here, bud. Yes, Where are you right. at? It's, an, it's a neurodivergent thing. Okay. Those of us who. Yeah. Absolutely. I can't it's like when you're looking, when you're driving and you're trying to read read signs and you turn them. Yep. Oh, That's, yep. Yeah. It's because you're, that. it's, it's a literally attention span regulation. It's a real thing. I'll validate the shit oh, out yeah. of that. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'm a little. Got it. <laughs> Whatever gets me tonight. I mean, the odds of undiagnosed on the spectrum, not out of the realm of possibilities. We'll say that. However, <laughs> moving on, I will not speak anything further. This population, like the the climate, right? So the military climate and high performing climate, first responder climate, elite athletes, like that draws very intelligent, multitasking kind of individuals. So it can be very common to see anybody on the spectrum from ADHD to high functioning autism. Mm -hmm. I see it a lot. And I see it a lot undiagnosed and they do very well until they don't. And then it's, you know, and then it's diagnosed or it's like, hey, when you get out, go get this diagnosed so you can, you know, get your shit figured out. Um, Yeah. No. Mm -hmm. So like my dad didn't know that he had ADHD until like he was into his 50s. Yep. And I had recently gotten diagnosed with it. My sister, my middle sister, she was also diagnosed with it when she was a kid. Like, she's mm-hmm. the only one who had been just because, like, she could not. She looked typical ADHD. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. her, hers, hers being, like, the big type. But what's weird oh. is all three of us are all lefties. And we actually outnumber the righties in my family. Oh, so wow. all three ADHD, all three lefties, and then the other two righties, they have nice handwriting. <laughs> my mom and my youngest sister. The rest of us are like fucking chicken straps. Okay, that's all right. You that's because probably you're not interested in writing. It's like a means to an end. So I mean, I don't mind it, but you know, I've got like a permanent. You know what? This is too too much. Um. Anyway, the <laughs> questions that we had. Yes. Oh, by the way, quick. You have to stick around if you want to hear about our paranormal talk after the Q and A. So. I'm here for it. Yeah, I was thinking. I was thinking through all my. All my topics Ooh. that I could bring to the table. So I'm excited to talk all things energy and spiritual, paranormal, yes. whatever, whichever category I, you fall under. <laughs> I'll have to drop into our little group chat, uh, my little altar that I set up. My, my fiance is like, I'm sure he's thinking, she's going to sacrifice me one day. I just know it. And, I, and meanwhile, I'm whatever like, keeps him no in idea. line. I have no idea what any of it really means. All That's, I know is I really <laughs> like that how shiny the stones are. <laughs> I like the aesthetic. Part of him, a part of him's scared. But fraud. It's okay. I'm learning. It's okay. I'm learning. A little fear in life keeps us on us on our toes. It's not exactly not exactly. He doesn't have to know. No, <laughs> he's not going to listen to this. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I've got I've got your questions. They're like they're awesome questions. I've probably answered these in my you know in the history of. These are really normal questions, and I'm really excited that they came to you in a hundred different ways because. This is the kind of conversations we should be having so that like first dad. off, are you okay? <laughs> that like is so 2016. <laughs> the chain smokers called. They want you back. <laughs> I didn't I didn't want to sneeze in the microphone. I just ended up looking. Just wait till your soundboard gets there. Yeah. But yeah. These questions were all like questions like probably like the generic ones. That everyone, um, and a bunch of them were repeated. So I won. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're good. And like I said, I mean, you're like, I have no problem being who I am and being identified as who I am and being an accessible resource after the fact, you know, so like I said, I've probably heard it all inappropriate, inappropriate, inappropriate with an appropriate question inside of it. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Honestly, like this is this is what we need more of. And right now I'm like working on my master's degree and strategic communications but a lot of it is nice. how businesses how organizations how they're being how they're able to connect with their stakeholders it's this whole thing it's like this it's you know we run you know it, just instagram pages that's it it's special in their own way but really nothing that special but at the same time being able to get that unfiltered aspect of it whereas the army just puts everything like it has to be shiny and glossy before it goes before anybody you actually get the raw unfiltered stuff when you do stuff like this on social media. So it's awesome. Yeah, no, yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me here. But yeah, so like I was going through these and probably just start and then let the topic kind of take itself from there. The number, <laughs> the first question, like, <laughs> really punched it out of the gate. Does Come in hot. Like, yeah, these, right. These Does were it... set. These were set in order. All right. So this is like the earliest <laughs> one I got. So. Well, okay. Does a suicide attempt follow you out of the army? I'm going to try and answer these questions probably a couple of different ways. Cause if there's, you know, not really quite sure how somebody meant their question, but, and then there's other questions on here that touch on suicide. So I'll just talk a little bit about, um, you know, does a suicide attempt follow you out of the army? I mean, so if you, it will follow you if it's documented in a certain way into the VA, right? Otherwise, it's your responsibility, just like coming in to the military, it was your responsibility to decide what you did and did not disclose to the recruiter. It's a very similar thing going out of the military. Now, obviously, there are certain jobs, certain kinds of clearances, certain kinds of background checks that could produce inquiries. But this really this really comes down to documentation. I, I think we touched yeah. on that. Um, like. I, I don't think we'd have released it yet because I have to edit it. But, you know, when you are looking for a job with a background clearance and you decide that you want to remove something from your medical files from the military, like you were diagnosed with such and such, and then you go in, you edit it on PDF, you take it out. Well, then they'd run the background check. They're going to run software to see if somebody's edited this stuff. And so that's how yeah. you get caught. You know, yeah. it's it's the stakes of the job is what you're what you're putting on the line there. Correct. And depending on the job, right? Like they're going to see right through, they're going to see through it. Here's what I would, here's what I would say. Probably one of the bigger things that I would say we only have, we are only as, we're only as identified and diagnosed as the people who were in charge of doing that in the documentation system, right? And that's, that's probably, you're going to hear me go back to that a lot where the biggest thing that we could talk about here is how to advocate for yourself when you need help and then to just be, your best advocate. Because what I will usually tell anybody that I'm working with is, and that's why I said I work off transparency, because I know that there are a lot of people who don't. And I think that, you know, if you're walking in to get help, and you haven't made a diligent decision, right? Like, let's say you have some sort of physical injury, there's going to be some part of you that's deciding whether or not this is a doctor visit, sick call visit or hospital visit. Mental health, we can really kind of teach the same concept right? Is what you're going through a bad breakup? Is what you're going through an injury that needs, you know, a secondary level of care? Or is what you're going through a life or death situation and we need an emergent level of care? Um, 
not something most of us are taught, right? Until we run mm-hmm. into it. A suicide attempt, when I'm documenting in the military medical file, I can document a history of suicide attempt. I can document a history of a personal traumatic brain injury. Um, this is something I can put in your file, uh, just alongside all of your other mental health diagnoses. The other thing that a lot of people don't realize is that, and this goes for anything medical in your chart, when you are diagnosed with anything in the medical system, it has to also be closed out. Let's say I was seeing you for something like, so adjustment disorder is a really big favorite in the military. They love throwing it down as a precursor to PTSD, but they like to use it to cover all their bases, probably because it immediately tells the VA you're going to get over it. Um, I think it's bullshit. An adjustment disorder is something where you run into a stressor, you should be able to get up over it and get out of it. If I'm seeing you and you so, are going... Yeah. I just have a quick question mm-hmm. on that, which we could circle back to later. Mm-hmm. Just stuff on the the adjustment disorder. Mm-hmm. Is that what hangs a lot of people up when they're you know, going to claim and the VA is like, oh, well, blah, blah, so blah. most most mental health diagnoses are going to earn you a temporary disability because the VA, <laughs> like the system is built to say that you're going to get better, that your mental health will get better when you get out. Adjustment yeah. disorder is a temporary diagnosis. It mm-hmm. is a you have it and it will go away typically when the stressor is resolved or the environment changes. And so I have, I have seen, I have seen people who have come to me with 20 years worth of PTSD and their last therapist diagnosed them adjustment disorder. And I was like, we are actually more than six months removed from the traumatic incident, you assholes. Like this is no longer adjustment disorder. Mm, Gotta love the healthcare system. Yes. Um, but if you came and saw me and we were saying, Hey, this is what it is. It's an adjustment disorder. And we worked through your shit and we got to the other side and you were good and you no longer needed mental health. It would be on me, your provider, to close out that part of your chart and literally basically remove, like, consider the diagnosis solved. No different than if you go in with strep throat, if you went in with a broken leg, whatever, at some point in your chart that should be closed out. And if it's not, when you leave the military, it will show as an open and active diagnosis, not a historical diagnosis, but an active diagnosis. That can, that can catch you up. So I've had that catch up people. If they're trying to go from active duty to guard, right? Because now you have a pre-existing condition. Um, and it can also trip you up if you are going somewhere else that has some sort of like security background, like psychological stuff. And that wasn't closed out like it should have been. Again, that said, right? Like a suicide attempt, same thing. It can definitely, um, it can definitely follow you out if it's documented to follow you out. But it has to be documented in a really specific way. And it's not usually done that way. And actually, a lot of times, suicide attempts aren't usually diagnosed as a diagnosis in your chart as much as they're diagnosed in confidential um, notes, which when you get out of the military, you don't even get. You don't get your confidential therapy notes. So they, so in theory, would they get to see that or would that violate like your HIPAA? You know, if, even yeah, if those this are, is... Those are confidential. So, I mean, so do we answer that question is kind of like, so the answer, so yeah, I I was going to say the answer to the question is really how it was documented in your chart. Like if Mm -hmm. you saw a provider after a significant suicide attempt and they diagnosed you with something like any of the mental health disorders, and then they put other suicide, like, and they put a suicide attempt in your chart as a actual medical diagnosis, then yes, it's probably going to follow you out when you do your out 
processing doctor's appointment, it's going to show up on your historical um, diagnoses. If you, if it's not, if it's not documented, if it's not documented as an actual diagnosis and it's dealt with in the notes of a confidential note chart, chart note, then no, it's not going with you. Okay. I feel like, well, I should write this down, but definitely like wording that in a way to, you know. Yeah. And I mean, so here's, here's the, here's the other thing too, right? And like, again, and I have actually seen significant suicide attempts not stop somebody in their military career, you know, and that comes down to unit and how the military installation and the unit handled the follow-up care, you know, and then I've also seen where somebody's career was ended because they came forward and said, hey, I am actively disclosing that I had a suicide attempt three months ago, right? Like this person's been functioning every single day, three months since, and the command or whoever that was disclosed to took advantage of that information and did something with it. Mm-hmm. That's also legal. Yeah, like well, it should be. Do we talk about military leadership? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> theoretically, that like that that, that that's a whole that's a whole episode in of itself. That's a, that is a whole episode <laughs> in and of itself. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, so that's um to kind of keep talking on. So here's here's my thing. I'm going to kind of jump around to one of the other suicide questions because um, which one is that one? Uh, so I went, there's Q1, I'm dropping down Q12, how much suicidal ideation is too much? Oh, that's a good one. I never actually thought about that as a question. I mean, here's the thing, you guys, like we're talking about, like we're (laughs) talking, if I'm putting it bluntly, right, everybody going into the military are, you know, to some degree trained to kill. Mm -hmm. So death is a common conversation, right? Not only are you trained to kill, but you're also trained to be okay with death to some degree. Hey, you might go overseas and not come back, right? So for me, and I, I'm not the only person in this field that feels this way, suicidal ideation, I do feel like it's appropriate to put on a spectrum. And what I mean by that is like, we should be allowed to talk with somebody about what suicidal ideation means to them, right? So the military cut and dry, the army cut and dry, ask, right? Ask care escort. They keep it really simple um, to get you to a professional who should, that professional should be the person to then work through like, what does your suicidal ideation mean to you? So mm-hmm. when you're thinking of suicide, you can have ideation, you can have intent, and you can have plan. So that's a little bit of like a, that's like a kind of a spectrum, if you will. Like if you come to me and you say you're thinking of death, what does that mean? Right? Given your career, are you always thinking of death? Did, where is that coming from? Did you recently just lose somebody and you're wondering if it would make sense for you to join them? Are you facing significant career loss, career change, a breakup, whatever? Um, you listen to a lot of two crying. <laughs> right, right. <Guilty>. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's the thing, right? Like if you, if, if I, as a provider, which I think is an injustice, if I simply say, are you thinking of suicide? And I leave it up to you to answer that question. And then I don't further engage with what, with what that answer means to you. Neither one of us are like, I'm doing my job wrong. I'm failing you as a therapist. If you tell me you're thinking of suicide, but you have no intent on acting on that, you have no plan, mm-hmm. then we're going to, then we should monitor it, right? Maybe your baseline mm-hmm. is that you always think about what you would do if you died. So that's where like putting a definitive line out there, like, Hey, commands, like this, this is what, you know, a board of certified licensed folks are saying like this is the criteria that meets suicidal ideation Mm -hmm. 
than yeah. not this blanket thing that's just gonna you know they're like oh shit let's just cover our ass entirely like no hey refer appropriately right call it yeah. that and then mm-hmm. from there let them take care of it don't you know just do i i feel like they do an injustice to everybody by just the blanket sweep but I, so usually what I will tell a lot of my military people is that, you know, if you don't trust, which is fair, most of your baseline boundary, I don't trust. (laughs) The chaplain is probably one of my first recommendations for this kind of questioning, right? Because they're bound by a different set of standards. And I think that there are like, if I was actually even talking to leadership about it, this would still be one of my first line defenses. If you have an embedded clinician that you trust, if you have an MFLEC that you trust, they're a really great resource. If you don't have those, you should have a chaplain. This person, let this person at least be one of your subject matter experts to decide what level of care we need in this situation, right? My, I, and again, we love trained through processes. A lot of leadership are just trained through process, trained through a process. So then they just run through that process. Oh, you said, yes, I'm taking you here, right? Oh, you said, yes, not only am I taking you here, but I'm also going to fill out this paperwork and I'm going to command direct you. That shouldn't even be any sort of a deal breaker in a career, like a command directed behavioral health. You know, it should still be an allowed thing for somebody to go to a provider, be checked out, say, hey, this is where that came from. And the provider to say, I stake on my license that this person's okay. I'm mm-hmm. I'm all about uh, I'm still act um, and you know, like everyone in my position. Uh, kids who like have a case of the grumpies, as I call it, mm-hmm. um, they're like their audulations. Like I I really like how you put it too. Like what does that, <clears throat> what does that mean to you? Because the army is probably all the DOD. Like a suicide audulation, okay, behavioral health, psych ward, like go get checked out, put it on, but not really asking like the the why behind. Like not like it's like a branding almost at that point. Like it's it's literally it, it. If I were to put it into an analogy, it's like your cattle being branded. Like, yep, they're good. Yep, but it's probably gonna, that's, you're that's, scarred with it for the rest of your career. That's yeah. that's the stigma behind it, and it's like. And I agree. I used to send uh, my my PR chaplain, and I might have told Amanda this story. Um, he is not confident. We had a, we had at one point we had a soldier kill himself. This was like a month or two, and he came in to talk to us. And as he's talking to us, uh, you know, everyone's feeling however they feel after. Mm-hmm. Um, the dude, the chaplain, was like, "Yeah, you might you can come talk to me anytime. Uh, you, somebody in this formation might even be seeing me right now." And he like hard points at this kid, and he says his name, and like the dude like sort of like bright red his head. <gasps> and at, at another That's... point. I, I had to speak to this guy at one point too for some uh, and fuck no to, I would have laid hands um maybe I'm not talking, I don't know I'm I'm non confrontational Amanda knows like a lot what I went through years yeah and I was talking to like some peers and this the chaplain comes up to me in the middle of like a conversation hey my name how is X Y and Z situation going I'm like dude like brother okay like we you? so and that's the thing right that person's garbage. I think that and this dude needs to he's like very have some... nice, but he. So I don't care I if you're nice. A... No, there's there's a certain well, level of tact now that is... that person dangerously lacks. Absolutely, that's such a that's a so huge problem. I, I they go right to the brigade, the brigade chaplain. Absolutely good. Brigade chaplain, we skip over like our echelon, mm. but yeah, 
And what like, could I they make do? Sure until I remember. Yeah, well, absolutely. Cat was the a thing, fucking right? like, snitch. Don't fucking talk to him. <laughs> don't boo don't this don't man. And that's the thing, right? Because and that's so here. So here we are, right? Let me let me pull up these. So back to so to kind of wrap up. I'm sure we can go back to it, but to, to wrap up like the suicidal ideation. I here's here's what I'm also going to say. Like if you are and in some of these questions, we'll get into this, too. If you are working with somebody about like your mental health and the suicide question comes up, I I think the best thing you can do right is provide context, you know, like um and, and ask them ask questions about what you were just saying, too. Absolutely. That chaplain has lost all credibility. Nobody should go to that person for anything. Honestly, in fact, that's a huge violation of the role they're supposed to be playing. You know, I mean, just in general, like that's like that would have my license if I did something like that. And that's an abuse of power. Right. Um, So but suicidal ideation, how much is too much? Unfortunately, again, here we go. It's going to come back to like, who are you disclosing this information to? If you are in the civilian world, and you tell a a cop, a firefighter, a nurse, a school teacher, um, you know, these kinds of individuals, like if they ask that question and you say yes, or if they feel like you're a danger to yourself, they as a they in their role have a duty to warn, a duty to report you. I'm getting somewhere with this connection. And they report you to a hospital, right? Or they perform, report you to a provider, to a subject matter expert in mental health who is then going to evaluate the level of risk in that statement. They're the ones that are supposed to get that context. So I I did ER mental health and that was my job. My job um, was to take all of the people similar to like military leadership who asked care escort and somebody who said yes or was acting suspicious into the hospital. And then it was my job and my license to explore what they meant by that. And then to decide you are still a risk. You are adamantly working towards this active idea of, you know, suicide. We're going to commit you. We're going to admit you, whatever. Or this is the context behind this. I'm clearing you. I believe in the military. It should be done very similarly. It doesn't always happen this way because military, military leadership can get it twisted. Overcorrected. But I think that, a, yeah, I think a first sergeant, I think, you know, somebody in the chain of command of um, you know, somebody in the, somebody in the chain of command, like an NCO who gets that information. I think it should be okay for them to say this is out of my lane and to get somebody else whose lane it is in. If that's a good chaplain, great. If it's an MFLAC, if it's, if it is behavioral health, because that's the only option you have, but then it is that provider that you've handed them off to. It's their job to be good enough at their job. Unlike the chaplain example you provided to decide the level of risk, to decide if it's, you know, enough suicidal ideation to do something or if it's just ideation here's why, and you're good to go. So, like, I've dealt with people coming up to me with suicide questions, uh, marriage, family, um, transitioning their genders, and further, mm-hmm. furthermore from It really depends, like, what... You know, like, good guy guess. Greg, that meme, good guy Greg, that that's thought. <laughs> I don't know. That was a throwback. Okay, we're posting that one on the Instagram. Do you remember <laughs> good guy Greg? <laughs> yes? Okay, thank you. I was about to feel real stupid if I was the only one. I have to hear <laughs> no, no. that before. I feel like there's yeah. like echelons. Because like I'm not going to send my this guy having <laughs> marriage issues right to the chaplain just because that's a... First off, talk to me because one, I'm a person. I am a normal dude. I have more than enough experience relationship-wise. Like I, I just talk to me first. Because most of the time I feel oh. like they just, they just want to vent. 
and leadership doesn't want to vent. They don't have time for you. They don't care whatever. They care. They don't. So I will pawn you off to Chappie over here. Whereas, like, talk to me first. If you don't want to talk to me, that's fine. Here are these outlets. But, like, I had a person uh, having issues with marriage. I talked to him in and out for a while. Nothing was being resolved. So we, and I ended up enrolling him in Emplet. Uh, and he's he's doing great now. But, like, just like that, where yeah. a soldier that was uh, transitioning. Why would I send the Emplet? Why would I send him the first sergeant? Like, no. we went an alternate route. And he said, it's just, I think. And, well, and that's the thing. People, and you bring up a really great point, right? Like, we're all fucking human. You know, and so like, and that's the thing is, so there are, there's so much more that you as NCOs and leaders could and should be doing. I, I, we just can't be scared of this imposed stigma. We can't be scared of human experience. You know, we can't be so far removed from human experience that we're not willing to validate our people's human experience. And I agree with you. I would tell you, so when I was an embedded clinician, like I, I will tell you just in my experience, a huge percentage of what people are going through that lead them through the mental health doors could have absolutely been solved with a chat with somebody who had just validated their fucking emotions. Yeah, your breakup is tough. Yeah, this is scary. Yeah, that's fear. No, that, you know, that's anger, right? Like a ton of that. Now, here's what I will tell you. What you just said is amazing, but how common does that actually exist out there? How common does their, does yeah. their leader sit there and say, like, just talk to me? you know, or is a part of the rest of that kind of like process of, oh, you said these magic words and sending you, you know, I'm sending you up or get out of oh, here. You're broken. The sh mm -hmm. shadow realm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't, you, know, you don't have to be like intelligent or like experienced. Obviously, I'll like, I have like wife experience. Not that just, much like, older. My body. But, uh, <laughs> like just be, I think what people need most is like just more than a mouth. Corny is yeah. Uh, Listen twice as much as like, you speak. The empathy is so hard if you are not like if you're not brought up to be empathetic. It's a really hard thing to learn. But the army's so full of guys. I'm gonna say guys because fuck them. It's they're it's always especially the military just one up it. Like oh I feel depressed. Yeah, well I've been more depressed. I've killed oh. people. It's like dude, like I don't care. Like I <laughs> I don't feel good. Or, when you like, compare sad, trauma, I, that's what prevents people from getting help. When you know, other people like shit on the shit, like that's what prevents people who actually need help, who are like, you know, check engine light came on, like, hey, I need to probably go talk to somebody. That's what scares them off. But you got it's they're yeah. doing it to themselves. Yeah. 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 And like, I feel like most of the shit, again, could be could be solved or at least settled to some degree. Flooding BH, flooding the fifth, floor, shunning them to I the thought training. I thought Fort was because, third. <laughs> third. <laughs> Not that I know personally. <laughs> no, I, I, don't, don't. I don't. I don't. I just had I to agree. take the hospital to his brand new. Psychological. <laughs> so psychological connection, right? So you know how we have like, so we have our hierarchy of needs. We all need to put, you know, clothes on our back, food in our bellies. And and that's like a huge, there's, I mean, to protect that at all costs. Survival of the fittest involves our ability to get our physical needs met. Our psychological needs come down to um, three things. Um, we really need to feel like we are intelligent. We want to feel like we are, um, competent in whatever it is we're doing. Um, whatever it is we're in that situation, we want to feel some way like we know what we're doing in that situation. We want to feel like we are, uh, in control. <laughs> we all love our control, but that is actually a psychological need. We want to feel like we have control over our situation and that can be 
you know, and that's any semblance of control is what we are going to be seeking. So it's either control of our emotions, control of the situation, the environment, whatever. And if we don't have control of our emotions because we were never allowed to have control of our emotions, hashtag childhood trauma, like then we are, then we are never, we are always trying to seek control of everything else because our emotions were never allowed to be something we had control over. And then the third thing is community. We want to feel like we belong. And so if you think about those three things, they're, they seem really simple, but if in any situation I'm interacting with, those are the three things that anybody else is probably trying to seek in a situation. And so like what you just said, if I'm sitting down with somebody and I can validate what they're feeling and make them feel maybe a little bit less alone, that's a really simple human conversation that doesn't require any extra letters after your name to do. I think that's what a lot of the, and not to beat the drum of being a feminist, but hi, you know, a lot of people didn't look at it that way. When, when people were sharing like what happened to them during that Me Too movement, it wasn't just, it was not just, this is what men did. This is what men did. This is what men did. No, this was, you're not alone. You're not, how comforting is it to know as a man, one of your buddies is struggling too. Maybe not at the point of they're going to act on, you know, a suicidal ideation, you know, that they're struggling and they open up to you on that. That's what it feels like. And that's a good feeling when somebody opens up to you and then you're able to relate to them. That was the point of me too. It was not just to shit on men. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, that's, you know, a a community, right? And that's the Mm -hmm. thing. Like we can actually relate to a lot the, there's so much more value in being able to validate in the uniform, right? Like you can come across to me and I will do all the validation I can. But again, a lot of, a lot of it could have been accomplished, you know, down in, in the field, in the barracks, you know, in the, you know, outside of, you know, in the parking lot, whatever, with two people in uniform and one of them saying to the other, like, I've felt fear too. I've felt sadness too. Like you are not alone in your emotions. I don't compassion over comprehension. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't care how you got to whatever feelings you got to. I felt those feelings too. That's compassion. I don't have to understand how you got to those feelings. Now I've validated and I've had compassion or, you know, like you said, empathy. Um, and that, that makes you a good human. <laughs> um, so I, that's, you actually bring up a really good point. It makes me, makes it really easy for me to move into, um, let's see which question was this. Ooh, ooh, we love the smooth transition. <laughs> um, uh, it's about, there it's it like is. Butter. Question. Yeah. Like question eat. 15. You brought up me too. I'm going to move on to question 15. How many men have you seen go through therapy who've been sexually assaulted? More oh, than women. Ooh. More than what? women. The statistics actually suggest no. that there are probably more men sexually assaulted than women in the military. And pro- and they actually sometimes say in general, um, I would, I come across sexual harassment and sexual assault. And it's sometimes it's men on men and sometimes it's woman on man. I have seen both very commonly in a lot of the men that I've worked with. And I say that I bluntly say that out loud because for anybody who is listening, like it is a super common thing. You are not alone if you've had that experience. I've had, um, you know, uh, men assaulted by women in bars. I've had, um, men assaulted by men in the field, in the barracks, you know, in bars as well. Like it is just as common. And in, I mean, I do see more men than women in the jobs that I've done. Um, but they do believe that if statistically everybody who was assaulted reported that there would be more 
male on male or male sexual assault survivors and women. I mean, that makes sense because, oh, sorry, because there's already innately through society there because of centuries, blah, 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 men have typically been in power, right? Well, when you are on the same level as another man, what's the next step that one could take to be the dominant one? A male that feels threatened and has run out of other reasons to try and take down whoever they feel threatened by Mm -hmm. is going to use, you know, whatever means they can to try and assert their dominance. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a it's. And I, I mean, you know, we can do all the trainings. I think there was another sexual assault question on here. Well, that segues into another way different topic. So hold on, we'll finish here first. But I'm gonna run upstairs. Okay. <laughs> Thought you were gonna ask if we wanted something, but fine, go. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I'm not thirsty. I have my sparkling water right here. Yes, my so sparkling water too. <laughs> that, that actually, honestly, like I am very outspoken. Like that's mm-hmm. just who I am. But because of you know. I I will champion for what other women have gone through. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that men don't experience this stuff the same way that like I would never if, you know, men were talking about how there's a higher mortality rate with men, there is a higher suicide rate with men. I'm not going to be like, yeah, well, but women actually blah, 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 or women too, or, you know, I'm not trying to take that away from you. I'm listening to you. I'm like, right. I hear you. I, I know. I know what led to this point and why there's why people feel this way. I'm not saying I agree with it, but I'm saying that like, I can, I understand. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, you know, women talk, men act. Sometimes that's like, you know, like if we're talking a little bit about gender roles or, you know, and usually when I, when we get into that kind of a messy topic, I like to talk about how, you know, you can be male, a male dominated brain or a female dominated brain. And that doesn't necessarily identify your gender. But that said, I think I'm, I agree with you. Like I'm a huge platform about just people having their voices heard. And I think the me too movement was really great. I will say like, I think a thing that stood out for me is the fact that men still didn't feel comfortable adding themselves into that movement. I think that movement, you know, could have expanded Right. But I think that goes to show still what we're, where we're at with a stigma and where we're at with what's allowed to be talked about both in and out of the military is that men are still not comfortable talking about the fact that as that somebody vulnerably took advantage of them, which sucks. But that, I mean, but at the same time, I get it. I remember there was one in my old battalion, like my last battalion that I just left. They, I think hands down, best sharp program I have seen and they were very eminent about including everybody into this conversation about these things um but what just really like stood out to me just because I I mean rarely you see it but it was an older NCO like stood up and you know it it wasn't even Mm -hmm. centered around men being assaulted it was you know just a presentation on blah 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 and then it was like people standing up and saying words or sharing stories or what have you but like he shared you know not in detail but like he said when I was a kid I was I was molested and you know when we're talking about this stuff and we're saying like it's okay to get help if you need help and you know you need help and you've been pushing this down get help it doesn't get better if you just ignore it right yeah and to know that you're not alone right I guess that's the thing is I, I feel like 
I haven't come across anybody's situation and not to necessarily take, I'm not taking away from anybody's story because mm-hmm. that is their story and it is uniquely theirs. But, um, you know, a, a lot of people go through shit and, and I've never, and the shit is, is only as big as it is to you in your head. Right. And the second that you find somebody you trust, and that's actually a big part of how, um, you know, moral injury is recovered from one of the, and it goes back to that connection. The second you can find anybody, I don't care who it is that you can trust with your words, with your story and be able to just have even one person who can look at you and say, I see you. And, you know, and like, I validate the shit you've been through. You can start that healing process, but it, it doesn't usually start by keeping it inside. It could come after the military. Like if you decide that you want to get help, like after the military, that is still okay to do. Absolutely. And I cannot stress that enough. Like they, I mean, and especially with all things that COVID, like just won't even get into any of that. But what did, and what was cool was the virtual therapy that just took off. Now I'm not going to get into like some of them, but. Yeah. um, (laughs) Well, you gotta, you gotta be choosy. Listen, you gotta shop for a therapist like you shop for a car. Uh, yeah, but you know the the access the, in the military hopping on. Uh, I think the the one for at least dependence is telemind, like virtual yep. therapy, and even like I was able to well, before I got out. But like when I was able to see my therapist, she's like, "Oh, I also do virtual. Like if you're you know busy doing schoolwork or whatever. Like, but I had to start school again. But I was like, oh, I'll, I'll try the the online. But they do offer that. Like with your therapist, like your EBH, they can do." virtual therapy which is awesome telephonic therapy it's awesome and that's one one positive i will say that came from covid was that so i'm gonna so that you bring up a really good point right another grocery delivery (laughs) all right i know listen (laughs) adhd brain cannot with groceries i outsource all of my life some of these questions i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of i'm gonna shove all of these a little bit together because it it um, speaks to a little bit of what amanda you were just saying so um, question, uh, seven, why is it so hard to get an appointment? How do we increase chances? Eight, what virtual appointments help? From VA vet person. centers. Let's see. There's another one, but, um, so here's what I will say to that, right? So you are active duty and you decide you need to talk to somebody again. If your chaplain is not a douche, that's a really great place. If you, and I will also say like, Feel that person out. And I really mean that because like I have met really amazing chaplains who don't shove uh, religion or some sort of faith down your throat. And then and and I and we they can be a really <laughs> we love those ones. We they do exist ones. out there. But why don't you check into that before you start dumping your soul onto them? Mflex can be really great, too. You can. What I would say is like, you know, word of mouth is always a really great way to find a good Mflex. But that's a really great place. They literally have zero reporting. Here's what I will also tell you. A fun fact about the MFLEC is they will oftentimes when you sit down with them or you might get word of mouth from them or you sat down and had to watch a PowerPoint on them and they will talk about something like eight to 12 sessions. What I will tell you is that the secret to that is it's eight to 12 sessions per issue. And so there's always a workaround. If you came to me as an MFLEC and we worked through something and it was, you know, it was anger, it was anxiety, it was marriage, it was whatever. Let's say you came to me with all three, right? Cool. I can spend eight to 12 sessions on your anger. And then we can send, spend eight to 12 sessions on your marriage. And then we can spend eight to 12 sessions on your anxiety. So there can be a longer relationship there, as long as we are not finding anything that requires higher level care and diagnostics. What, the vet center, what happens, yeah. I'm sorry. Mm-mm, so let's sorry. say they have eight, eight, they have eight to 12 sessions for marriage. 
uh, on the ninth session? Like, what happens after there's no? Well, so that's that's the thing. So what I'm saying is, (laughs) (laughs) what I'm saying is that you can just continue to see me, and if I'm and it's on me and my logistics, you know, my logistics tracker over here. Where so and so, let's get real. The logistics tracker of an MFLEF because. There is no documentation that's going into a medical file. There is no conversation to leadership, right? Like an MFLEC is completely 100% um, anonymous. They have a um, metrics tracker. So they're going to go in and they're going to say, I saw somebody today. That's it. There's no names. There's nothing. I saw somebody today. And what we talked about was or was not deployment related. I was an MFLEC for a little while. It was in a school. And that was literally my tracker was drop downs. Yes. And it was literally, I saw somebody today, I talked to them, it was about, it was or was not deployment related, I provided resources, submit. That was the extent of what I had to provide, okay? If you are a good therapist and you suck at like taking like intricate notes, this is the job for you. That is, I refer a lot of people <laughs> who don't the, like documentation uh, to an MPLEC. Is there, is, is there any like internal notes? So, no. so on the second, on the second, the second date, uh, you're not cold turkey because you don't remember what the fuck you all I mean, if you it's see just, a really uh, shitty okay, MFLEC talk- who doesn't remember, right? I don't like know. They- no, like, if you're seeing, if you're seeing <laughs> 10 people, you know. And, and I know, no, it's no, like it's an edge of sketch. It's just the, the erasure. And it's all of, <laughs> you have 10, the eight balls. You have 10 <laughs> people. Those are your notes. <laughs> you have 10 people. It's all about deployments. And then you're like, oh, fuck. Oh, okay, well. Well, so I don't, but I don't even know like that tracker. I don't go back into that. That doesn't, that ha- that serves no purpose to me. That literally is what keeps the, that's what keeps the government dollars flowing into that contract. That's all that does. It doesn't you know do what? anything for me. Sure, I, sure. I think we need to market okay. this or at least like as a joke for the MFLEC folks, but get them like for maybe Christmas or like a holiday party or just a gag gift. Those, uh, what are they? The, they're that little like magnet thing with the I was face say- on it. The, the mustache. I was going to label little, it like a little flip page that like disappears all the words. Like you write it down and then you go whoosh, next. Yeah. Just a <laughs> box of those just like donated to the MFLAC Center. Like these are your notepads. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. That's no, really, so, really yeah. interesting. If you are, if you are seeing, so I will say like as an MFLAC, right? Like I don't have any sort of a documentation that needs to go anywhere except for this metric space. I was also when I was an embedded clinician um, for uh, a special operations unit, I had a very similar system where like I had a metric system. So I would document that I saw them, but from like a human performance standpoint, and it was up to me what I wanted to add into that. But it was just metrics just to justify the contract dollars to allow my position to that exist. That is so smart. Yeah, it really so is, right? That's yeah. a good yeah. workaround for like if you are in like the soft or like a community where there's a higher, you know, chance of like clearances, blah, 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 what, what have you. But yeah, it's really a workaround if like you have a sports psychologist like to go through them because it's like your little screening thing. It's like, it's like your yep. chaplain without your chaplain. Well, and so most, most special operations units have an, have an MFLEC that has been specially selected to be a special operations MFLEC which means that they have a clearance to sit there and listen to whatever you want to talk about. And they fall under the same guidance as an MFLEC, which is just a metrics based, you know, metrics gathering. So definitely know that, right? Like hear it here, like an MFLEC does not document. Now, an MFLEC 
is trained that if they find that you have something, right? Like, listen, if you come to me and I'm seeing that you are a risk, that you do have, you know, suicidal ideations that is not being managed, that you have bipolar, that you have depression that's not being managed. Like if you have something that falls outside of a scope of let's just talk about it, Mm -hmm. then it is their job to say, you know, we should be getting somebody else in on this. And from my experience, what I have usually done in that role where I'm doing an undocumented treatment, it's usually upfront like, hey, this isn't documented, right? So it's not going to show up when you get out. And if you want to try and all of a sudden create a claim, it's not going to be there for you. If you're cool with that, let's work through it. And then if we get to a point where it's like, hey, this is what we're running into, I should be transparent with you and let you know we're running into this. I do think it would be in your best interest to seek out behavioral health so we could maybe get medication or we could talk, you know, you could get a little bit more of a higher level care involved. But I have found some really badass MFLEX out there. There's chaplains out there that do um, EMDR, which is a um, one of my favorite um, PTSD I treatments. Like that one. Yeah, and so like you can find really good shit that goes undocumented to get yourself taken care of. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, so back to so MFLEX chaplains, good stuff. I love the MFLEX. I as an MFLEX, I'm not documenting into any sort of a system, but I might be keeping my own set of notes. Like I have a handy dandy notebook that I might be writing you know, a little bit on you so that the next time I see you, I'm not just sitting here going, "Uh uh-huh. And who are you? And what did, what are you here to talk about? Um, again, somebody does that. You go to behavioral health and see somebody for a second time and they get you confused with somebody else. It's okay to write them off and go find somebody else. You should not be seeing somebody who doesn't know you from a soldier to an officer from the branch that you're in, like from the job that you do, like that doesn't make you feel good about sharing your life story. Mm Mm-hmm. Telehealth is an option. So I'm out in Colorado. Uh, I will tell you. So where I am right now. So the the clinic that I work with, um, I actually get a lot of referrals from Fort Carson because Fort Carson is inundated with like their behavioral health is swamped. I'm going to tell you guys right now, take advantage of that shit. Beautiful mountains, man. What are you upset? I'm just kidding. It's it's thin 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 air, people. It's the thin air. But but listen, if you... (laughs) And it's also cold. If you are, if you are, if you need mental health and your behavioral health is completely swamped, you have the ability to outsource with TRICARE. So TRICARE does allow you to go into the community, especially with behavioral health. And a lot of people don't really realize that. Mm-hmm. I had a quick question because my therapist, uh, think that you brought this up. She mentioned this, um, and that like you have to go, you have to, I will take your thunder, but I do remember her talking about I just I wasn't sure if that was just a JBLM thing or if this is like a nationwide thing. Nope, it's everywhere. So um, I was uh, we were last stationed at Fort Drum. Fort Drum was really con- like pretty well known for, you know, for and, and again, that's actually another thing, like you said, virtual came out of the pandemic. So did being swamped and being able to outsource into the community. Um, so somebody asked about vet centers. Vet centers do not talk to the DOD. Again, what I will tell you though is a vet center is, it's a similar to an MFLEC. They're usually amazing by, uh, clinicians. I have sent a ton of people who didn't feel comfortable going to BH to go to a vet center because they just want to feel better. Um, so a vet center is a really great opportunity to go seek some care. They don't talk to the government at all. Um, which again is going to mean that if you are trying to get a claim later down the road, those notes really don't exist and they're not going to do anything for you. Um, so just, and I always say, just keep that in mind, right? But a vet center is really good. TRICARE does allow you to outsource. 
could you theoretically now this is just my brain thinking could you theoretically like have an mflac counselor like sign and date like their name that they saw you not necessarily like what you talked about but like yeah during this time to this time this mfr states with their signature mm-hmm. that technically is a legal document that yeah. you probably could present to the yes. da yeah, so I I'm have I have done that. I have done that with people who, you know, and I so basically what that letter kind of looks like is it basically says like I am so and so, these are my credentials. This person was a client of mine from this date to this date, and I'm certifying that I diagnosed him with this. We did these interventions. Here's my license with my license number, signed date is stamped, and then you can actually turn that into the VA to try and fi- like try and provide support for um the diagnoses that you're I, I mean, and here's the other thing too, right? Like I have seen, so again, you can get really creative. I'm all about just getting yourself better. Um, I worked with somebody who had never seen mental health or it was not documented well or whatever. And on the other side of wanting to get out, definitely needed to service connect their shit back to a deployment. They were, this is, I'm going to go to stuff like SRP, right? So when you get back from a deployment, you have to do your little checkbox, go see the doctor. Um, it's important to advocate for that note to identify whether or not you saw combat. It's a click box. Like the medical provider is going to literally put in that note, like click, yes, saw combat, no, did not see combat. I would say that if you were a combat MOS, like it should come with the territory, but make sure that's a part of your conversation. Why? Because down the road, let's say a decade, 15, 20 years down the road, when you decide to deal with your shit and open that can of worms we can go back into your records and we can pull the medical note that says you saw combat, right? And use that to help support a service connected. Like, hey, here's proof that they saw combat. Here's proof that they went on deployment. And we're going to tie this back to a situation that happened mm-hmm. at that time. And like this, what what we're saying right now is not necessary for like, quote unquote, for you to cheat the system to get, mm-hmm. you know, something out of the government. That's not what we're saying. It's It's because when you are in the process of getting out, and I, I learned this through my VSO, the guy who's the, at the VA folks that were, they help you with your claim. He's like, anything and everything, write it down. Doesn't matter how much, how little documentation is supported, at least if it is in your file when you're getting out, if it becomes a problem later, it's not going to take weeks and months just to get that addressed to the VA and get a new claim started and get treatment yeah. and help for it. It's already in there. That's what this is for. It's like, maybe you don't want help immediately after the army, then later you bitch, and you want to go back to therapy. That's <laughs> the yeah. Well, and that's absolutely. I mean, so, you know, there are a lot of ways to get yourself taken care of. So again, going, so going back to, you can outsource, um, you can use TRICARE in your community. You can go to TRICARE and you can ask to go out to your community it's a, it's a simple referral. And the way that referral system works is I literally have TRICARE um, authorizes a referral. And what so that uh, one of the ways that this could happen is if you go to your PCM on post and you say, like, I think I would really like to go to somebody, you could even call behavioral health, right? And you can call behavioral health. If you call behavioral health and talk to the front desk, that's just not going on your file. <laughs> if you call behavioral health and say, hey, like, you know, do you guys, are you guys taking new clients? Or, you know, like, how can I go about getting a referral off post? They should be able to walk you through that. No, um, this is Patrick. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> talk close. Um, I don't normally, I'm not going to get into like my personal background. Uh, but, 
um, at one point I was seeing therapists outside of the military. Military didn't know. I was younger, like when I first got in, and like there was that talk, like don't go to BH, don't do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, so like this this place accepts Tricare, sure. Off post accept Tricare, they have my insurance, whatever. I was seeing this woman for a few weeks, and eventually Tricare called me, and they're like, hey, I'm like, hi. And they're like, are you, like, going to X, Y, and Z, like, therapist? Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I am. Okay, well, you can't do that. You have to go to behavioral health for to be uh, recommended to go off post. And I was like, I, it's I'm not. It's the same I, pot of money, and I just don't understand why we can't just outsource. So, probably get, so it's like, take out well, the middle my, man. I don't know. Not, I mean, I, I get it. But way, I get it, too. Whatever. Fuck it. My way around it, though, a learned lesson from them. And mentoring, like, kids now is, like, when they talk to me about issues they have with their wife, and they don't, and they're in the same situation as I was, they don't want to go on military. Because, quite frankly, when I'm, when I'm done work, like, I'm you not, leave. I'm not in the military, I take my fucking hat off, I'm, I'm thought. Um, <laughs> so, what I told them is, if it wasn't, like, individual, and you're married to that man or woman, who are also on said TRICARE, they are the primary person to enroll into the therapist. So this is all their information. This is her or his benefits number. And you are tagging along as like the support. So you're mm-hmm. off the books. And then the husband or wife who is enrolled in TRICARE won't get questioned through, behavior, won't be told to go to behavioral health or anything. And you're essentially there, you know. Yep. Yeah. So you I'm can definitely. <laughs> yeah. You can always go. You can go. So, yeah. So if you're married. Right. If you are married, you can definitely, you know, go through. So that's a couple of things, right? Like you could go to if you were to go to marriage counseling through behavioral health, it would be it could be under your dependence name. You can also use that to get out into the community as well. Again, going back to like they are, I will say sneaky, like ins and outs. I was absolutely because you know why? Yes. Yes. You, you have, have to. to. And you're so hearing again, it here. We're going to timestamp this so they know. You heard it here first. This is the timestamp we need to go to. I'll, I'll, I'll remember this. Uh, listen, one hour. Listen, ten so here's, here's the thing, right? Like, so again, I, I see active duty people right now. I see veterans right now. And the way that works, worst case scenario is like you were saying, if <laughs> your installation is still requiring that you somehow need to go to behavioral health, Let's let's talk about that, too, because that shouldn't scare you away. OK, if I go to behavioral health and I do a, a, an intake, you can do an intake and you can really give them a rundown of what you need. You know, thought, I love that you gave that as an example. Right. Because one of the things that we do when we do an intake in behavioral health on a military installation, at least is what this is what we should be doing, is asking your preference. So if you have a preference of making sure that you see a man, right. And they're like, oh, gosh, like our men are all tied up and don't have any availability. You have run into a patient right of yours to go find a male in the community. Now you have your referral. Who the fuck cares who you go see? <laughs> okay. That's so smart. The, because the other way that like my therapist was telling me about like outsourcing and like while you're mm-hmm. in, because we, we had this conversation, like how would you go about like doing that? She said, mm-hmm. well, the when you go to like, enroll or to go to your pcm enroll in behavioral like hey like to go see behavioral health uh personal issue just say i want to go see them or whatever so that they go and then my my therapist was saying that they'll usually put in like generalized anxiety as the diagnosis but 
because like when you're in like the SF community and you have certain courses that like they I'm talking like they're running background checks on you. Mm-hmm. They're going through your medical files, like everything. And they're very nitpicky and anything that like sticks out, like they're going to be like, wait a minute. And it could cost you a slot, you know, depending on how it's worded. So this is something that people need to know. This is what needs to be in your file. Soft. I would prefer to see a mail. Okay. Referral. There is nothing in there for any sort of diagnosis. That's it. Nothing. And so that's, so that's the other thing too, right? So there are guys, there are thousands of diagnoses. So I can, and when I'm seeing somebody in, um, and this is something else, you can find really great people in your behavioral health system who are going to document in your behavioral health chart who can use things, who can use incredibly generic codes. I do not have to diagnose you generalized anxiety. I could diagnose you with, um, there's this beautiful, one of my favorite codes is like, phase of life transition adjustment and it literally doesn't it doesn't mean shit i can't it's in a not a world. phase mom <laughs> <laughs> but like i can but there so so you bring up you know um so here's what i'm going to say you, if you need to deal with it and an mflec isn't doing it for you or is somehow not available or they're shitty or same thing with the chaplain the vet center maybe you don't want to go through that or they're also not available maybe like, you need you, to get medication Maybe you need to get medication. So the medication piece, I will also say, like, there's a lot you can do with your PCM. You don't need to see a psychiatrist to get your medication done if, like, medication is a necessary part. So I worked I worked with a special operations um, unit. So I do understand that there there's a lot of goes and no-goes, right? So there can be... There can be parts of your job that are not going to allow you to go on medication. There's going to be parts of your job that cannot allow you to have a flag, right? You can't have certain diagnoses. Um, I will also say that that goes back to, um, what I talked about at the very beginning where it's like, you can have a diagnosis and then you can have that diagnosis wrapped up. Um, and there are certain diagnoses. And again, if you are working with somebody, so to talk a little bit more about the special operations, soft special forces, like those kind of people, my best suggestion to you is to make sure that whoever you are seeing is well-versed in your shit. And a lot of general providers on a military, an army installation, an air force installation, the people at behavioral health, they're not. Okay. So they are not well versed in your specialized, like go, no goes, you know, what you need, what you can't have, what you can do. It's I, yeah. Different language. It is. Well, it is a different language and it has a completely separate section of the, the medical is completely separate. Right. So like I work special operations. Um, I had, I had all the medical jargon and then I had a specialized version of medical jargon for this population. And if if you don't know that, (laughs) you're the person, like you are the person, like (laughs) you are a unicorn and don't let anyone tell you otherwise, madam. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I sparkle. (laughs) Did you, did you work with the group where you live? No, I was, um, no, I worked. I worked with Air Force people yep. that were stuck working on an army base. <laughs> I had so well, so not, I not 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 in Colorado. Not in Colorado. No, I work He's with a not lot. Not JTAC. I work with people now um, that are affiliated with um, those people in Colorado. Um, but so here's what I so again so if you are in um, if you are in this realm, and here's what I will also say: like 
I also will tell people like if you have if you are in soft, if you are in special operations, if you are doing like, you know, secret squirrel shit, like you should have access to a team of people who are well versed in your shit. You should. And you should be talking to them first. If you don't trust them, then whoever else you are talking to, you need to make sure that they understand your shit. Mm-hmm. before you and and that's that's just that's just the hard truth right like do not once you once things leave your mouth you lose control over them <laughs> so <Just laughs> loosen your marbles so i mean it, you that's know so like marbles. make sure that who you are about to get this information to like and if you're sitting down with them if you go to bh and you sit down with somebody if they do not understand your field if they don't understand your mos be very careful what you give them I will say probably the best piece of advice that I, 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 because I don't know this personally, I've never been in this situation, but like, I think probably the best piece of advice for any sort of crisis that I could give, not being anyone credentialed, just prefacing, mm-hmm. prefacing this, it's to before, like, you're in a state of like chaos and high, you know, like, just a heightened state of emotion and like you're you feel like you're losing control right and like the first person that you see or maybe like you go to like the first person before you do that take a moment and just if you can and i know i can't say that it's gonna that's an easy thing to do in that kind of state of mind but maybe if someone's listening to this maybe we'll remember what i'm saying and to take that moment just to be like do i trust this person that i'm about to go to with the information that i have this is more so like at like in a work setting because people have fuck. I've seen breakdowns at work all the time. Yeah, well, and so typically, right? So typically, breakdowns happen when you're feeling trapped and feeling mm-hmm. out of control. So the, one of the things I usually teach somebody, I teach them two things. One, um, the opposite of what you probably think is to give your emotions permission to exist. Don't give them permission to stay, but give them permission to exist so you can figure out what the fuck is going on. Mm-hmm. Two, ask yourself this: What do I have control over right now? Right. And I love it when I ask that question to people and they'll be like, you know, well, I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't have control over anything. And I was like, well, you're breathing. Could you actually control how you breathe? Yep. Um, Could you control getting up and walking away? Could you control your body, you know, your body's movement? And like, it sounds crazy, but we have to in that moment, zoom into what you have control over. And the littlest thing you can grab control over is the is is the first step into understanding that you actually have control regulate yourself before you know before anything else you know and so like what you just said if you are in crisis and you feel like you are spinning right like checking in with yourself being a self-detective what the fuck is going on with myself right now and then second to that like what do i have control over and recognizing you have way more more control over something than you thought you did i teach that a lot when i'm teaching people to try and get through selection most of what we're doing is working on your mental skills I feel like we're going to have to have you back on because I feel like I'm just like sitting here listening to Socrates just speaking to me. I'm like, These are words. These are really good words. <laughs> I, I mean, here's the thing, you guys, like everybody that like the military does not, you know, take it sounds like, you know, sounds a little bit cliche. They don't just take anybody. And if you're, you know, you are good at what you do and you are allowed human emotions and you can still be good at what you do. You know, and so I think, um, you know, thought you brought up a really good, like, I will usually tell people it's why I'm going after my doctorate, that there's so much we can accomplish before shit is infected, right? Like if I took care of a cut as soon as I had a cut and it didn't get infected, I'm fine. Mental health is the same way. 
if I like worked out my emotions before they became really infected emotions, then I'm never getting to the point where I'm sitting down and being diagnosed. And that's not always the case, but it is actually a lot more of the case than it is not. So, um, so yeah, so, uh, and then I, so that you, you know, we talked a little bit about, um, uh, soft and everything like that. Question nine actually mentioned, will seeking help for anxiety affect soft jobs and does therapy for body dysmorphia hurt you? So there's two answers here. There's two questions. So there's really two answers. Will seeking like help for anxiety? Sorry. Yeah. I feel like it's very prevalent with men more than we think. Oh. You know, like, I mean, like, seriously speaking, though, yeah. like, comparatively, compared to where we were back in, like, the early 2000s, fuck low-rise jeans, never again. But, like, you know, <laughs> we're kinder. We are a lot kinder to women than we are to men. And how... Men. And I, they're not, not necessarily women, but, like, other men, like, holding to standard, especially in a... In a in areas such as where you worked, where like you have to be the best of the best, right? Yep. yep. So, so, so yeah. not that not, not that it matters. Yeah. This is from a woman. Um, it's still body dysmorphia. Is body dysmorphia. Yeah. So, so seeking so seeking help for anxiety. I to be blunt, this is a tricky one, right? Um, because like you, so again, this guys, it, it, it and and I know I'm redundant here, but it does come back to like. Who are you handing your shit over to? Um, and, and being, and being educated, you know, like, and so having somebody that you trust to kind of get it out of your head and figure out like, Hey, is there something that I really need to deal with here? Um, and then who those people are, there are definitely options. Again, going back to being in control, like you have options, you can, you know, seeking help for anxiety. There's a thousand different ways to do that. And MFLEC would probably be my first one. If you're, if you're soft, unit has a human performance team there's another plug for human performance like within your human performance team you may have a cognitive skills specialist go talk to them because your anxiety may you may have anxiety outside of your job but if i can help you address your anxiety in your job through mental skills chances are that will actually go ahead and affect your personal life as well um you also probably have an mflec you may have um, access to a uh, a unit psychologist, a unit social worker, again, people who are well-trained in helping you figure out if the anxiety you have is a deal breaker or is something to work through. And body dysmorphia would be the same thing. So to tie back again to behavioral health and getting your shit documented, when I worked in my, when I worked with special operations unit, I did have the ability to, I could see somebody in a coaching capacity. We considered it like skill enhancement. The umbrella was within my realm to decide what was within and what was outside of that. And then I also had the ability to document into their medical chart. And what I can tell you can exist. And there are a lot of really awesome providers who still continue to follow by this guidance. I can see you for sleep hygiene. Okay. I can see you and, and I can say that what I'm Female seeing you for. Female performance triad. So yeah, so if you're a female, there's a lot of stuff I can address from like a female stress, right? I can see you for sleep hygiene. I can see you for wellness, like education. So there are things that I can see you for that I can say I saw you for and what you and I talk about in that 53 or, you know, 78 minute session or whatever, whatever we talk about in there that I can put under that bill of sleep hygiene, sleep wellness, stress management is another one. These would be things that I can put in your chart that nobody is going to look twice at. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that exists on army installations are the resiliency centers. The resiliency center you can go to for sleep hygiene and for stress management. That stuff is going to go into your chart. 
but it is a uh, the wellness center. It's not, it's not even like it's it's not a um, red flag note, right? It's a very much like oh they actually went and bettered themselves. They did resiliency work. You can do that both at a resiliency center or with behavioral health, and those are not going to be red flags in your chart. So even if you were like in a selection in an area where you mm-hmm. were being selected mm-hmm. and you did see someone for sleep hygiene, that still wouldn't be a red flag, even no. given like the level of clearance and like no. No, okay. and even if it's pulled, even if it's pulled up in a medical chart audit, right? It's something uh-huh. that is explained away. And so that's another thing. So again, when I worked with people, they would go on, let's say they got injured. Let's say they had some sort of a mental health thing, right? Let's say that they had to go on some sort of a mental health medication. And there's a lot of things within that environment. If the population I work with, they could not be placed on Ambien, right? So like they could not be placed on Ambien or would have ground them. So let's say somebody had to do that for whatever reason, then when we were getting them off of it, we would have to go through like an assessment. Within that assessment, I would go ahead and say, this is what happened while they were on this medication. They're fine. There's nothing wrong with them. They're motivated to return, blah, 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 blah. They are cleared. I have stamped my credentials on that. Now, if that person is going forward, if they ever run into any sort of a background clearance investigation, if they go to a selection situation and that shit comes up, We've wrapped it up into a pretty bow and served it to them on a platter to say there's nothing Hell wrong with this individual. Yes. So this. Oh my god! I need, I have timestamp thing from like the hour on. Like this is all the gold. This is where the gold of the episode is. Followed by, um, I do have a dinner here, so I do want to bring you back for a part two. We do have so many more questions. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to have you back on because I, I love, I love your words. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love sharing them. You guys, like I, I really love making mental health approachable and accessible and it shouldn't mm-hmm. be scary. I agree. So I do have a question as we transition to your paranormal. Yes. Oddities that you, you enjoy. So one of the stigmas that I guess like people don't really like talk to too much, like openly about like their paranormal experiences is because like they're afraid of like a mental health stigma. Is there an official diagnosis for seeing ghosts that would um, shy people away so, from talking about paranormal stuff? Because I want stories, man. I want stories. Don't let this mental health stigma get you down. Well, so it's it's really fun. I mean, I've actually had a lot of... So I, there is psychosis, right? I feel like psychosis and seeing or, you know, seeing or experiencing energies Again, I like, let's throw that on another spectrum, right? Because I, so it isn't, it is in my job when I'm talking to somebody. So to talk to somebody about whether they hear something, whether they hear or see things, I will put on the same conversation as like suicide. So when I'm working with somebody and they are, you know, like I can see maybe they're responding to internal stimuli. That is definitely something where I'm like, okay, <laughs> we have something else here. But I have worked with people who definitely feel like they see energies or they experience energies, um, everything from like, you know, ghosts. I had auras. some, yep, auras, um, I you know, energy. So bad. <laughs> energy is a big one. Like, and I will say that I have this conversation a lot more with people, um, than not where they feel haunted by energies at night, sometimes negative energy sometimes positive energy. And so I would say I'm here for that conversation, right? Like I'm here to meet somebody where they're at. And if that is truly what is um, an obstacle in their healing journey, then we have to talk about it, Mm -hmm. you know, like, because in their mind or in their world, when they go to bed at night, like they're trying to protect themselves 
from us, from that space that exists, from this energy that sits at the foot of the bed, from yeah. the, you know, the thing that's looming above them. And like, we have to address that. It's causing their piss poor sleep. And that's not to say like, hey, let's shove some ambient down your throat and hope for the best. No, mm-hmm. it's like, hey, they, here's some guided meditation for you to do because guess what? That shit fucking works, man. Like- so guided meditation does work. Sleep meditation does work. Sometimes, again, going back to when I said I'd give your panic permission, you know, give your emotions permission to exist. I'm the kind of person that says, are you willing to get curious about it? So did you guys ever see that show, Evil? Surprise, really maybe I have. So it's a really good show. It's a really good show. It takes, what does it take? It takes, it's these three people. I think you can watch it on... I think it's on Paramount Plus or it's it was a CBS show. There's a psychologist, an IT person and a priest. And the three of them go and do they do exorcisms. They walk into it's a, a bar. <laughs> it's a fantastic show. But like one of the reasons. <laughs> oddballs. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it really makes sense because this like when they budget get. Budget Ghostbusters. <laughs> when they get a haunting, they go and the whole point of the three of the three people is to come at it from three different angles like is this a uh-huh. psychology thing is it an it glitch or is it a faith thing the reason i'm bringing it up is because the psychologist is haunted by demons and in a similar approach right like she gets creative or she gets curious about her hauntings so rather than being afraid of them she kind of confronts them and so mm-hmm. that's sometimes what i'll work with with somebody when they have what feels very much like a paranormal you know experience is like Do we know what this experience wants? Same thing with nightmares and dreams. Like, do we know what we, what's the message? Why is this, why is this energy or this thing or this nightmare existing? Mm -hmm. Oftentimes when we get curious about it, sometimes it goes away. Sometimes it reveals its answer. I say rule of thumb as I'm watching this dog make, hey, come back. Oh, wait, he's got his microphone. (laughs) What am I doing? (laughs) But, you know, if, if one rule of thumb, if your pets are freaking the fuck out, Listen to your pets and get the fuck out. Yes, yes. <laughs> they know what's going on. You're that not is so sure, true. That is so sure true. If your dog is not growling at winter bed, you got nothing to worry about. It's all on your mind. Yeah, we had, me lived in, the first time we lived in Fort Drum, uh, <laughs> my husband and I loved, and we still love it, we just haven't done it in a long time, but we used to love like the initial apps that would do the, like the spirit words. Um, and we used to pull it up all the time because our one dog refused to go upstairs. <laughs> we would always be I like, I know what you're talking about, the ghost box <laughs> Yeah. And we're like, what it, what, you know? And so we would sit there with it and we'd like do the mm-hmm. little scan thing. And then like some word would come up and we're like, that's it. That's why we're not going upstairs. We're sleeping on the couch tonight. Like <laughs> it said potato. Obviously we are sleeping on the Obviously, couch. Yeah. Yeah. And we try, we would try and engage with whatever spirit, you know, yeah, they'd say potato and be like, like French fries, you know, and just wait for it to see if it says something else. But yeah, I've had a lot of people who are haunted by or visited by things, spirits, lost people, vision, auras, energies. Like it's, it's a very common thing that I see when I'm working with somebody through their shit. We, I'm going to plug, what was it, our fourth episode or something like that thought where we talked about the hat man and sleep paralysis. If you haven't, like, listen to it i'm not gonna fault you if you haven't because i haven't listened to your podcast either (laughs) so but if if you do want to indulge about sleep uh paralysis and whatnot and the hat and the phenomenon known as hat man like our fourth episode we did a deep dive into it it was so fascinating that lsd dream emulator game still want to play it 
fantastic oh, that like description. It, it was a video game. Each of the levels is designed after like the guy's dreams that he'd have. He kept a dream journal and they yeah. turned it into a video game. Like it was supposed to be art, some conceptual thing, like yeah. PlayStation guy. Yeah, I don't know. But it was really cool. And they had like the element of the, the hat man was in there in the dream emulator. That's and the rest so of it was like fucked up Teletubbies. Like, I don't know. I love, I love that. I, I love talking dreams with people. It's a huge part of like some of the work that we do because of what, I mean, that's where our brains process, right? And so like, mm-hmm. I always tell people there's a message in your dreams. Um, it's something that you're stuck on. That's, you know, trauma. It's something that you're working through. Um, I really love talking about dream interpretation so with you're people. You're a dream interpreter. I think we need to have you back on for another episode <laughs> where we have you interpret people's dreams. It's like, so yeah, much fun. Therapy for you. Therapy for you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I like, I mean, I love, I love exploring people's brains. EMDR is, um, you know, like I said, I, I do that. It's one of my favorite things. It's, it's just as good of a trip without drugs for some people with the things that their brain will produce for them. It's a, it's it's a bunch of privates like hanging out in the barracks on a Friday night. What are they doing? <laughs> tapping. <laughs> just tapping. They're just tapping. Don't mind them. Don't mind them. Yeah. No, and he's that was processing um, trauma. Leave him alone. Processing. Please leave him be. Yeah. LSD. You brought that up. Ketamine does a very similar. So do so do mushrooms. Like they do very similar. You know where they open your mind to different experiences. And if you are not prepared for what's coming at you, you let your brain off on a leash. Like. That's don't <laughs> probably that's where like, Hatman came from. <laughs> I I love I love uh yeah. but that's why you don't uh, do it. We talked about that before, like in MK Ultra. Like you don't don't do a drug at like a festival if you've never done the drug before because you don't, don't know how you're gonna react. You have I feel like if you're like doing it for like a journey that is for yourself, like do it for the right reason. If you're not at, to see Nelly at Austin City Limits, yeah. okay? If like you're that's doing not it to see time. Nelly <laughs> If you're doing it to see Nelly, like, it's different. Like, I've done shrooms at a J- Jimmy Buffett concert in Jersey. Well, it wasn't your that's first different. time. Well, no, it wasn't, but that's not the point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, like, that's, but doing shrooms at Jimmy Buffett's different than doing shrooms and I'm, like, experiencing things I'm going through and I want to, like, open my mind and, like, my, yeah. my heart. It, they're completely different things where, Yes, they um, are. And that's, you absolutely have to, have to manage your expectations about why you're taking it, why you're putting it into your body. So yeah. if you were I, like, I remember, in, sorry, I remember in college, I was having like family problems and like, I was like, dude, I don't know what to fucking do. I'm going to do a whole bunch of acid. And, <laughs> and I did. <laughs> and like my, my, but my goal was Contrary like, I'm to the nose ring, these- I'm the sheltered one. <laughs> <laughs> my goal before I put these tabs in my, on my tongue were like, I'm doing this to, I want to find some type of, I want to, <coughs> this fucking dog, I'm sorry. Uh, before I, before I did the acid, I was like, this is for like my dad. I want to open myself up. I want to like find a reason why for me, myself, like why am I acting this way toward maybe find out like a, a some other type of reason. Um, and then he met I God. I, I, <laughs> plus, yeah. <laughs> but like, well, that's, yeah. I do a whole episode. Like, we did we did an awesome episode on psychedelics about what it does for your brain. <laughs> do they right, do well, just my my quick question was just do they do when they when they do like psychedelic therapy and like say like you you get out because right now you can't do 
I mean, I'm not saying you can't do, but it's regardless when you're out, there's more options to do psychedelic therapy as a veteran. So really the only psychedelic that exists for you. So yes. So obviously once you are out, you can, Mm -hmm. the big thing is red cards, right? You can get your marijuana card. It's not really a psychedelic, but it is, you know, a a recreational drug turned medicinal. Um, they, so there is the big thing that's been going on now is ketamine. Um, the VA has definitely done, they, the VA has partnered with, uh, different ketamine clinics. It's state specific, I think probably mm-hmm. on what clinic it is. Um, but you can, uh, you can get some VA coverage, um, for ketamine treatment. Right now it's only cleared for treatment resistant depression. Um, again, that comes to documentation and who you're working with and how they can get that for you. That's really the only like psychedelic that somebody's going to walk you through. You can find therapists who are familiar with legally. Most of them are not going to hand you the mushroom to take <laughs> the LSD or the MDMA, but they can your educate shrooms. you. <laughs> yes. Here's your shrooms and your playlist. Like old fashioned um, apocryphy. Apocryphy is in like, six hours. <laughs> In yeah, pharmacy like jars and bottles are just <laughs> right. Yeah. herbs into a leather pouch. Here you go. Listen, that there there are people that 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 exists in um the city that I <laughs> the cities around me right here because uh mushrooms are decriminalized in Denver, so that has definitely opened up a lot of different kinds of um journeys and processes for people. Um, <laughs> everyone's but, on a journey, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, but that's, so yes, those things exist for you outside of the military for sure. Um, I would say for those who are really struggling with PTSD, there are really awesome, um, interventions that exist within the military. My favorite is SGB. That's probably a stellate ganglion block. That's probably again, something we go into, um, another time, but, um, you know, you have options. Like you should never, that's the, probably the biggest thing, right? Like when we feel trapped, we do dumb shit. And so the very first thing you do when you start feeling trapped is to like, is to just try and remember that you're not, you know, and the military can be really good at making you feel trapped because they can try and threaten you to take away a lot of your privileges. Um, Yeah. This is just out of pure curiosity because I I understand like these drug treatments like ketamine and psychedelic mushrooms, like it's guided. I liked doing EMDR because I felt like, or EDM, I'm so sorry. I am so high right now. But, um, I do remember when, like, when I'm really actually not, I just cannot talk. I, I remember that, like, when I was doing the treatment, is that kind of like what they do that process while you're on shrooms? No, actually, um, no, I really and truly, I think, uh, thoughts at it best when it was like, you set the expectation, right? Mm-hmm. So in a nutshell, hypothetically, if you were working with somebody, uh, so if hypothetically I was working with somebody who wanted to add in, well, so if I'm working with somebody who's doing ketamine, um, so again, ketamine, there are clinics now that exist. It is something that you can walk in and you can set up with a clinic to actually have like an FDA approved medically administered trip. <laughs> Insurance covers it. <laughs> well, you can pay for it out of pocket. It's not actually as expensive as people think. Because, and I mean, it's an incredibly transformative, possibly one of the only things that'll help you kind of tool to use. Um, but yes, if insurance doesn't pay for it, the ketamine trip. So the psychotherapy part of the ketamine experience is to help you to really kind of help you with your expectation management and like your ability to kind of embrace the transformative experience you're having. 
So here's the thing, right? Like if you have been in on our podcast, we have the stuffer club where we talk about how like we're all just stuffing our feelings. And if you are somebody who stuffed your feelings your whole life and you end up putting yourself in this experience where you're really forced to look at things different. Again, that's like a whole nother um, conversation about how ketamine and psychedelics are kind of helping your brain look at things from a different perspective. That could be really scary, right? Because similar to people who do THC and don't actually like being glued to their couch because that sends them into fight flight because now they feel out of control or stuck. That's a very similar experience I have with people where they don't allow themselves to feel stuck or feel trapped. Ketamine, similarly, like you go on this trip, you all of a sudden feel value or self-worth or you feel happiness and you actually haven't genuinely felt that. You don't know how to allow yourself. That's the psychotherapeutic component. Mushrooms would be the same thing. Hypothetically, if I was working with somebody who wanted to take a hero's dose, our conversations before they go about and do their business would be to set them up for that expectation management. What do you want out of this experience? What are you, you know, and then to be open-minded and be curious about the experience you're about to have. That's how you set yourself up for a good trip. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, definitely one of the things that just getting used to weed was um, the different types, knowing the different types, you know, don't take, don't smoke sativa at night. You're not going to want to go to sleep. You're going to want to like stay up and paint. Learn that one the hard way. <laughs> but it's, it, you know, like it, there's, there's appropriate times to be doing these things and appropriate doses. And that's in your appropriate intention going into it because, you know, you can, stoners have it figured out. They've always had it figured out. Holistic medicine, the stoners got it figured out. It's like, Hey, these are the tips and tricks. If you feel yourself getting paranoid before you even go into it, just acknowledge that you are okay. You know, before it, it, yeah. literally, but like these soders are like just chill. Yeah, but man. like, it's okay. but listen, that's a life lesson right there. That's like fucking resiliency, right? Like, mm-hmm. hey, before you get really sad, hey, before you actually feel fear, like remind yourself you're like, hey, there's a life lesson for you. Like that's the and that's again, man. yeah, like that's that's it right there. Like, hey, when you feel this feeling, like understand that your world's not ending. You're not trapped in it. It's not going to kill you. Right. Like that feelings don't actually kill you um, and that you're OK. That's resiliency at like baseline. So it's so hard for me to hear it as a very impulsive person is to just take a minute. I say this as someone who has Elvis's mugshot on my arm. OK, so, <laughs> but it's like it is a really important lesson. It's just like same with what we were talking about earlier. Just like, take a moment, you know, yeah. before you go decide that like, hey, I feel like I'm losing it. Before you talk to that next person to make that next step to get help or just talk through the situation, make sure that, you you know, you're in a space and you're not going to say something that you will, will regret. That's yeah. the same for, like, talking to your family. Yeah. I, Here's uh, an, I, yeah. A, I Sorry. I had a therapist a while ago, and uh, she said, which I still like to refer to today, is, like, feelings are not facts. And that little, like, sentence there, I remind myself. Yeah, that, that's become, that like, a mantra. For, are, yeah. That's become a grounding mantra for you, right? Like it's become this thing where if you, if that comes to mind, because that's the thing is when you're, when you're feeling something, we oftentimes we do become impulsive because it's uncomfortable and we're trying to get away from it. So the, so I, one of the things, one of the reasons breath work is so powerful again, when I'm with people, (laughs) dog, that guy knows feelings are not facts. Look at him. He's like, feelings are not facts. Feelings are not facts. But fact is, this is a good scritch. I know. Look at him smiling. <laughs> but I, I teach the one of the best breath works. If you can breathe out longer than you breathe in, you've taken control back over your body. 
because only somebody who's not working in fight flight, right? So like if I'm in fight flight, the whole point of my fight flight is to get me out of a situation. So my body is supposed to take over and I'm supposed to become reactive. But if in that moment I grab a breath and I breathe in and then I breathe out slower than I breathe, than I took a breath in, I've already started to tell my body that I'm in control, which means that whatever threat is going on must not be that big. Say that again. Say that. If I we're, we're getting gold here. We're getting gold here. Big mantra, so, gal. Big mantra. So for stuff I remember that, that helps me. Yeah. So if I take a, if I, if my breath out is longer than my breath in. Okay. That's a, that's a simpler way to say it. If my breath out is longer than my breath in, I've taken control yeah. over my body. Who's Bravo? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well. Can't rub my ears. <laughs> <laughs> well um i don't want to be rude but i do still want to have you back on because i feel like i kind of got like an impromptu therapy session as you can see i miss therapy <laughs> so close so close i've almost got my referral like taken care of Good yeah t- transition experiences they're so fun but um yep. no but thank you so much for coming on and like just talking with us and being yeah. real and giving us Giving it to people how it is because they fucking deserve it. Absolutely. Yeah. You should, you should be allowed to take care of your shit. One, I mean, that's when I do transition work, I love doing transition work. Um, and I usually tell people that we have to turn on your ability to advocate for yourself because it's something the military definitely tries to take away from you and also likes to, you know, give you part of the information and not all of the information. You know, not all of us are good at seeking out all that information or they keep us too busy to try and (laughs) figure it out on our own. So if there's anything I do in transition is that is to teach you how to advocate outside of, you know, back into the civilian world where advocacy is your best friend. I mean, it is in the military world as well. Education is power. Just look at how like cult survivors, how they, you know, re retransition back into society, like follow mm-hmm. it based on that. Culture shock. It's fucking true. We stand in circles and we like praise a song like it is a fucking cult. Just saying. <laughs> it's culture shock. Leaving yeah. the military is culture shock for sure. Yes. I mean, yeah. Um, no, I, I loved it. I'm, I'm here anytime. I will absolutely come back and keep talking shop about, you know, if, if there's any way that any part of this makes somebody feel more empowered to take care of themselves, good. Beat I the will, system. <laughs> I will be likely editing after I had to finish the paper. I think I'm probably just going to edit this because I didn't talk a whole, 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 whole lot as I normally do. So it'd be real easy to edit. I say um and like a lot, but whatever. Um, this might have been point. like the smoothest. Uh, oh, fuck yeah. We got into our man. <laughs> I was going to say, you guys are, it's really, I, I'm like very envious of all of your little setups. Like my, my colleague and I, like we, <laughs> most of, I would probably say 98% of our episodes are shot first time, no editing. We just shoot the shit and call it good. So I'm glad I could bring oh, some of that I, magic that, here. That, <laughs> That's all Amanda. That's nothing to me. I don't. The, the reason so, I do it is because give her the, of give her the, props. <laughs> the bathroom breaks. The I my cat will sometimes like bat at the door. And you hear him, and I gotta edit that part out. Like it's it's I, ADHD. Like when I go down that rabbit hole, I will stay on that. I was I edited an entire episode on a five hour flight to Hawaii. <laughs> when that, that hyperfixation is on, hyperfixation. It's on. <laughs> Hyperfixation can be a superpower and a weakness. Yeah. It, you know, just like uh, I tell people, just like Superman's laser eyes, you just got to figure out how to keep them under control. Until yeah. you're like, you don't want to do it, and you're like, I can't. Yeah, why? I don't want to. That's I don't why. want to. It has, I, it has no interest. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, I, I, I love that. Like, I know we, you know, there's obviously a ton more questions, you know, maybe you guys have a quarterly standing appointment. <laughs> Just come on back here and sprinkle my therapy dust all over Just, everybody. Just bill it to the VA. <laughs> They pay shit. I'm not, I'm not billing them. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, just just write it off as a, as a tax write off. That's there you all go. you got to do there you go. a charity case. There you go. I, you know what? I believe, I believe in this. I, be, I believe in, I believe in it. So I'm going after my doctorate for. I believe that we are, that, that you guys are all allowed to do shit. My last unit, they called me the psychological arms dealer. <laughs> like a marriage lawyer, but only. Really, really useful. <laughs> I was going to say, most times barracks lawyer is an insult, so I don't know. I'll stick with psychological arms dealer. <laughs> yes, I like that. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you again. If you want to plug your podcast um, so where people can find you. Yeah, like I said, so our podcast is called Not Your Typical Doctors. We are the That's What She Said of Human Performance. You can find us on Buzzsprout, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I can also have you guys drop our Instagram handle, which is at not your typical doctors. We're also on LinkedIn. So yeah, come find us, take a listen. We try and be approachable, um, pretty raunchy, you know, obviously that's what she said. So. Thank you again so much. And oh, by the way, go rate them five stars. Even if you haven't listened, I'm going to do it. I'm going to rate them five stars because we all know that, that helps people up who are in the podcasting world. So go do that. Leave a review only if it's nice. <laughs> thank you again thought you got any last words no uh thank you so much i'm gonna oh yeah, <laughs> uh, when we're done recording I one. no seriously this might have been like one of my favorite things is like you answered for me internally as like a leader like, so many questions and like i appreciate it. and i know anyone uh they they yeah, absolutely. Hey guys, and also questions left over. Like, I'm happy to give you guys my Instagram handle. It's all fluffs, no flux. You're about to get like flooded with DMs after this fine, episode's fine. release. You're gonna be like, whoa, I have this many messages. That's okay. I've been, I've been. Damn the DOD. <laughs> hey, listen, education is power. I'm here for it. So I, I look forward to coming back and, and talking more things, um, mental health and paranormal anytime, you guys. That shit is spooky yeah. as fuck. And I want to get it. I got more. I got, we got plenty. Uh, but thank Say you bye again. Bye, Camila. Bye, baby. Bye, Poochie. Bye, Poochie. Bye, Poochie. Bye, Poochie. Bye, Poochie. Bye, Poochie.